I think having the background we have makes it incredibly important that we serve society in a different way, if you like. And architecture is exactly that. Placemaking is exactly that. We're not just thinking about the red line boundary. We're not just thinking about the individual home, but really it's how people interact in those spaces. How do people engage in those spaces? How could we create and maneuver more socially meaningful relationships, particularly in an age where, you know, all for digital, but we can become so isolated in our world. And we also have to look at questions of, well, how do we as architects, certainly for my business, how do we as architects um, start to bridge that gap? You know, how do we bring things like social sustainability into the picture, talk about placemaking, talk about encouraging people to feel that they have a voice in making decisions in their local areas, developing a strength of community, so developing those social engagements, but of course, also the environmental sustainability of things, making sure that we're using materials that are gentle and kinder on the planet because we've got just one of it. Welcome to Third Culture Africans, the lifestyle podcast for dreamers, thinkers and doers. We celebrate artistry, share stories from those brave enough to create something and succeed, listen to diverse perspectives on African success and those shifting the needle on culture. I'm Zezariaki Sal, your host. On this week's episode of Third Culture Africans, we have a childhood friend of mine who I've known for the last 23 years, Tara Bolade of Bolade Design Studios. She is a Reba Rising Star winner of 2018 and has thousands of UK affordable housing homes with local authorities under her belt, is passionate about design and sustainability and community as a focus when she's designing a space and placemaking and makes everyday places for people extraordinary. I hope you enjoy this episode with my friend Tara Bolade. She is two years into her entrepreneurial journey but has done some incredible things in her career and as the founder of Bolade Designs. It was quite interesting sitting with a friend who I've known since I was a child, and both of us seemingly in different industries doing something great. So please leave us a comment or let us know what you think about the episode. Thank you. So thank you, Tara, for joining us on this week's episode of Third Culture Africans. It's my pleasure. So I always have a section in the show where you have to pronounce your name properly. Um, I must say that I guess we've known each other for about 24 years. Yes. Crazy. I don't know how that's gone. Mad. Uh, we're 10 years old and shipped to a boarding school. Exactly. Again, African parenting. Great times though. Great times. Yeah. Very interesting experience Inter for me. That's the good word, actually. I was going to find that. Interesting. Interesting experience. And... I guess I knew you as Tara Ekong. Yes. Having had, I guess, a third culture experience, mm -hmm. being third culture kids coming from a particular culture, being raised in a different environment outside of your own parents' culture, and then forming another life in yeah. another culture were lots of things and not many things in many places. Yes, indeed. Um, your name now how have people butchered it? I think I, I'm including it in every episode because yeah. I think it's hilarious <laughs> and we just accept it too. <laughs> exactly. So um, I'm formerly known, I guess, as Tara Balade. Okay. And I actually even have that on my email signature, uh, the phonetic spelling. Yeah. 
So I married a Yoruba man. So even I had to learn yeah. <laughs> the pronunciation, which is Bolade. Yeah. <laughs> that is the pronunciation, but you can imagine um, we'll spend 20 minutes if I introduce myself to anyone outside this room. Yeah. <laughs> like that. Speaking of, I guess, your new transition into being a business owner. Mm-hmm. I remember as kids, we used to draw um, <laughs> Disney characters. Yes. And you showed Good me, <laughs> God, <laughs> you showed me how like you would trace the outline of the character from like the books wow. and then you would go ahead and like paint and draw them. I think that was probably one of our bonding moments exactly. as, as, as kids in our friendship, drawing together. Yeah. And I don't think it surprised me when you said you were going to become an architect. Yeah. I think you were quite clear on that quite early on, if I remember right. Yeah. I think, you know, running a business or starting a business is something that I've probably thought of for many years. And as a young kid growing up in Nigeria, I was very lucky to have parents who really encouraged my ability to be whatever I wanted to be and um, go on and do it. And my mother doesn't suffer falls. So if there was anything I said I wanted to do and, you know, was crying about not being able to do, you know, she encouraged me to find my own route to <laughs> to figuring it out. She wouldn't just give me the answer. Um, so it's something that I've, I've always kind of grown up with this sort of can do and will do and must do, if you like. As um, the daughter of two successful doctors. <laughs> of course. <Yeah>. Nigerian. <laughs> what else? <laughs> no other option but success. Exactly. Well, we'll see. Long term, isn't it? Um, but certainly starting a business, I must say, actually, Zeza, you inspired me because I remember... Stop. I swear. Stop. I'm, I'm serious. Look at this flattery, guys. Because <laughs> I remember speaking to you a few years ago now and, you know, I was in awe that you'd started business and you were um, you were enjoying it. You were enjoying the process. And I remember just sitting down with you. I think we had lunch somewhere in London Central. Shout out to um, Burger and Lobster. Yes. Hey, <laughs> I was going to leave that to the side. Hey, <laughs> <laughs> great things happened there. Um, but yeah, you, you really encouraged me to, and you actually, I think what was inspiring actually about our conversation is that you were very real and factual. I think there's so much when you go online, oh yeah, start a business, you should do this, do what you're passionate about, blah, 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 which is all good and great. (laughs) But you were very real with me and you said, Tara, make sure you have X amount in the account. <laughs> Legit, money, money is oxygen. Absolutely. Um, running a business and ignoring that money is oxygen is like, you're shooting yourself in the foot, basically. Quite, quite. And you said, make sure you have the support system. But you just gave me some really practical, practical advice. And I went away with so much actually from that, that allowed me to think about it and put things in place to ensure that when I did make the leap, I was doing it from a place that I'd considered a lot of the facts, if you like. So I I don't think I've actually ever formally said thank you. So thank you. Oh, wow. That's so (laughs) kind. Thank you. So I guess Bolade Design Studio is born after 10 plus years. In, yes. in a career in architecture. Yes. I guess if you can share, outside of that fantastic lunch with moi, mm-hmm. um, your early career into now what 
Volade Design Studio is and the inspiration behind that? Yeah, of course. I think from architecture school, um, so did my part one in Liverpool and part two in Newcastle. And it uh, takes how long? Eight years? Seven years of, oh, can you my, of my life. I couldn't do it. Good thing I like to draw now. So. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and so uh, through this, you're a long-suffering student, post where those of us, <laughs> except for me, because I, I went into entrepreneurship quite early on. Yeah. But... I guess when your mates, as they say, exactly. are earning money. And working, earning money, living their best lives. Yes, so carrying at them portfolio in with my Indomie. <laughs> and carrying portfolio. Exactly. <laughs> um, but it, it was a great experience. And in architecture, you have your year out, which is basically between your bachelor and your master's, if you like, working yeah. in practice. And I worked in a large practice, um, Mace Group. Which was great because it taught me architecture in context. It was contracting, project management, and everything else in between. But from that experience, I knew that when I came out of architecture school, I wanted to work in a really small practice. The reason for that was that I knew I'd be on a steep learning curve. And I wanted to get there, wherever there was, as quickly as possible. Focus. I know. (laughs) So the early part of my career started in a really small practice outside London. And that was great. Stayed there for four years. Managed to meet a, a phenomenal gent who was an associate in the practice at the time. But he really, I think, really encouraged me to be excellent in what I did. In everything I did, you know, he he didn't suffer fools and he he didn't let me get away with anything. So that was brilliant training ground, if you like. And then I I moved into a slightly larger practice, became an architect, or was an architect before that actually. So, um, but started working on sort of larger projects, mainly in the residential sector. We did a lot of housing, social housing as well, museums, and everything in between. And started to grow through that practice, you know, became architect, senior architect, associate. And then at the time I decided to make the jump, um, I'd been offered associate director. And I kind of thought, well, actually, if I stay here, this is going to be me for many, many years. And a few years ago, I read this tiny little book called uh, Who Moved My Cheese. If you haven't read it, go read it. So good. Um, But it basically talks about making the change before you're basically forced to. And sort of coupled with that, as well as having worked in practice for a while, as well as knowing that I wanted to start something, I thought this was the right time to make the jump. Um, I think there's, uh, everyone asks me and I, and I would always say, oh, my leap of faith. Mm. And I think you, you either have the vision to do something. And I think we're in a generation and Bolide Design Studios Mm. is, you know, two years old. Yeah. And for a young business, you guys have done incredible things. You've worked on some big projects, yeah. namely your council projects, yeah. um, have won quite a few awards and yes. you're doing some incredible things in the industry. But at the same time, that does not make an entrepreneur yeah. or a business. Mm-hmm. I think having the vision yeah. to make a difference. And I think what makes you guys different, and if, if you don't mind sharing... Yeah, no, absolutely. I think when we started practice, I worked really hard in thinking a lot. I spent a lot of time thinking, actually, because I thought, well, why do I want to do this? I enjoy what I do. I could keep working for a large practice. But I wanted to do things in a different way. We wanted to do things in a different way. And our philosophy, if you like, is making the everyday places for people extraordinary. And the truth of the matter is that we all go through our lives. However, there's nothing there's nothing more powerful than place and a sense of place, a sense of identity. Every time 
we as human beings think back to, oh, when I was a kid, when I was 10 years old, I was in, and you finish that statement wherever you were, but it'll be maybe your parents' house or school. We were talking about boarding school earlier, but there's something about place that really... We were pretending to be in an African boarding school, but not fetching water, but finding ways to boil water with ring boiler. Exactly. (laughs) Those are experiences you can never... Oh God, Scott, Scott for life. Finding ways to fetch water with ring boiler. Um, um, yeah, but these places are or going underage clubbing when we were when we were young kids it's, shipped here. Uh, self parenting. <laughs> Actually, I think you you never really self parented because your parents were here. Yeah, um, well, he, here being where you see this third culture thing. <laughs> My parents. I mean, I half grew up in Nigeria and then yeah, here exactly. UK. Yeah, like what year did you? Because I I can't remember if you were here first or I was here first. I think you were. Okay. You were definitely because I finished uh, SS1. Then. Oh, you finished? I finished oh, wow. SS1. Okay. okay. Yeah. 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 So SS1, can you imagine? SS1. <laughs> Children. It's so funny how in that, in that construct, you think you're, you're very grown till, oh, yes. till you come here and realize there's a whole new level of independence. Exactly. And independent thinking yep. that kids have. And it's like, I remember the first three weeks of school, I was in year nine hmm. and my mom would take me to school. And then after like day two, I realized no one else's mom is taking them to school <laughs> in year nine. And I'll be I'll be in the lift yeah. with my mom and my peers yeah. and thinking, why am I doing this? Yeah. And then after the first three weeks of every term, she would leave. Yeah. I guess, what was your experience of, of that time period? I lived in Hertfordshire, Welling Garden. So we had a school bus. So we had a school coach. I guess my mom, my parents both would, would walk us to the bus stop, if you like. <laughs> and then we'd be there with all the other school um So this is what, year, year 10? Yes, exactly. So okay. I, yeah, year 10 is what I came into, correct. And so I had that experience. I, I didn't, you know, it, they didn't need to drop me off at the school gates, if you like. But the experience of walking onto the school bus for the first time and seeing all these, fa- and we lived in Hertfordshire, we didn't live in London. So when I thought, I mean, the world is a far more diverse place now, but <laughs> when I first arrived, I was like, yeah. You were really <laughs> fresh off the boat. Yeah, I'm fresh off the boat. And I remember, I remember thinking to myself, I turned around to my mom, I was like, mom, you said London, 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 when we were in Nigeria, now we've gone where, 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 where is this? Not all London. the people you knew or your friends were in London at yes, the time and exactly. we're going to London schools. Correct. Or I guess those of us who went to boarding schools still had bases in London. Yes. Oh God. Me. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Oh, we were in Hertfordshire and I, and I just remember thinking, why are we in this place? So it definitely took some time to adjust to it and learning, well, you know, building new friendships. And I, I didn't think, you don't realize how much you love and miss Nigeria until you leave at such a young age or at, at a teen, you know, when you're a teenager. And I really missed it. I think I spent the first few years actually just desperate to, I don't know if it was go back, but just Daydreaming. knowing that I didn't fit in, it was just really challenging. Yeah. And the very first time I felt like, okay, this, you know, this whole UK affair could work was when I moved to university, moved to Liverpool university, which was uh, more diverse, (laughs) shall we say. And I found a few more people who looked like me, sounded like me. And I'm all for, you know, context and contextualizing. But for me, that, that felt a little bit more grounding, shall we say. This podcast is sponsored by Malay Natural Science. Malay's products are inspired by the rich landscapes, alluring scents, and ancient wisdom of Africa. 
Their luxurious fragrance and body care range balances 100% natural active ingredients and scientifically proven formulas to heal, protect, and pamper your skin. Malay ships worldwide, and you can buy their products at maleeonline.com. They also offer a free sample if you'd like to try. And so through all that birth, Bolade Design Studios, Mm -hmm. I guess, what's the inspiration behind it? Inspiration, I think, is, like I said, I've always wanted to run practice. And when I started uni, I think I looked for female architects. And there were many at the time that were well-known and prominent. Um, and one that came kept on coming back to mind was the late and great uh, Zaha Hadid. And I kind of thought, well, she's the model I'm going to use to to build what I, I need to do. But also it was just this idea of I needed to create something. I'm a creator. I'm a creative. It's something it's in my bones. I've always drawn. I've always thought of. I've always imagined. I'm such a dreamer and I'm a practical dreamer at that. So I kind of thought to myself, you know, I think I think the sort of final straw was kind of like, look, at the end of the day, Shay, if it doesn't work in a year, you can go back to work. You still have your architecture qualification. You still Very have true. all of these things. You don't become a lesser, <laughs> lesser person. And I think you have so. more to offer to any firm who is mm. looking for someone who has multifaceted practical experience. Yeah. Because what most employees lose mm. now that you become an employer mm-hmm. is that I think they lose the perspective that this is a business. Yeah. And your role has value Mm -hmm. and how that value is translated within the business is dependent on you, the individual and what you're willing to push through. Absolutely. And actually with that, with that employee employer, I now know because of my experience in this, that the people we employ as we continue to grow the practice, they have to be entrepreneurial or entrepreneurial. They must have some kind of side hustle because I feel there is something about someone who's trying to create something that is quite attractive to me, knowing that they're able to step out, use their own initiative is really fascinating. And those are the only types of people I'd want working with and around me. I can't afford people who will go stale or just enjoy the job and be waiting for a salary. It's not that kind of thing. Paycheck, end of the month. Exactly. You know, it's, it's just not that type of space. And the practice aims to be quite flexible in how people work day to day. So yeah, I, I think it's... But yeah, I guess you guys, you guys do purposeful work. You've done yeah. work in Africa. You've yeah. done work here. And it's very much about giving the everyday guy the value of having an architect in in your home, in your design, Mm -hmm. because you work with first-time buyer homes and you've worked with council projects and there's a sustainable element to what you do. I think one of the core threads amongst everyone who has come on the show, which I'm finding interestingly, is our businesses as third culture Africans aren't just businesses they have a larger role Mm -hmm. in context to our lives and other lives that we we hope to serve or impact. Absolutely. No, absolutely. Um, I think having the background we have makes, makes it incredibly important that we we serve society in a different way, if you like. And architecture is exactly that. Placemaking is exactly that. We're not just thinking about the red line boundary. We're not just thinking about the individual home, but really it's how people interact in those spaces. How do people 
engage in those spaces? How could we create a maneuver more socially meaningful relationships, particularly in an age where, you know, all for digital, but we can become so isolated in our worlds. And, you know, today is the loneliest we've ever been as a society. And that this is when we're also technically the most connected digitally. And we also have to look at questions of, well, how do we as architects, certainly for my business, how do we as architects um, start to bridge that gap? You know, how do we bring things like social sustainability into the picture, talk about placemaking, talk about encouraging people to feel that they have a voice in making decisions in their local areas, um, developing a strength of community, so developing those social engagements, but of course also the environmental sustainability of things, making sure that we're using materials that are gentle and kinder on the planet, because we've got just one of it. And then, yeah, weaving those, um, I guess, cultural relationships with with the way we've grown up in incredibly spacious homes. And I remember the first time I came to a standard UK house, I was like, ah, did we, what happened? <laughs> Can't <laughs> we afford more space? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and why are the ceilings <laughs> so low? So why are the ceilings so low? Exactly. Yeah. You know, it, it really did take me some time to adjust. It was one of the things I, I first remembered, um, or I first, you know, encountered and experienced that I <laughs> what's happened yeah. um, again as we go to London. Um, so it's trying to reconcile these um, sort of perspectives that we have with with growing up in Nigeria and um, coming to the UK and how could we create space and how do we create places? I mean, one thing I love, obviously, about many African, West African and countries, including Nigeria, is that you know, you're sitting in your house and someone just hits the door. Well, not doorbell, but beeps at your boop, gates. Boop, boop. Um, yeah. What do you mean you're here? You gates have, man. We man exactly. <laughs> we hadn't made plans. Yeah. But it's that social connectivity. It's and, you know, it, it, it's Community. incredibly, yeah. You know, you know, people just turn up. Everyone wants to have a good time. Everybody wants to be around everybody. And I remember, yeah, when I first came to the UK, that was, it was so different. You, you know, you called people to tell them that you were coming and then you'd you'd have weeks in advance to wait yeah. to see your friend. Yeah. So that particularly that placemaking, particularly that social connectivity is something that I try to bring into your our design. everyday architecture. Yeah, Amazing. And I know that we you have to run. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I have one question mm-hmm. which would be in the last two years, what have you found the most challenging about transitioning from being a successful employee? Mm-hmm to now business owner who's making great tracks? (laughs) Oh, good question. What have I found most challenging? I think I've been interested to see myself grow in confidence as an individual, actually. The resilience of waking up and choosing this life every single day. Because there's not a lot of money in the beginning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No one tells you that. Exactly. You don't start yeah. printing the. You, you don't even start printing in the beginning. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. You don't start printing in the beginning, not at all. I was very lucky in that I had made great relationships when I was working as an employee. So I had great clients who definitely wanted to support. Um, and that was incredibly encouraging. But definitely, I, I think that resilience of saying, look, what comes in at the end of the month is completely dependent on me. That's a big <laughs> Huge responsibility. responsibility. And then you have salaries to pay. Exactly, exactly. On top of your own bills. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, absolutely. And luckily, you know, I've had um, I've had support in my partner, but at the same time, it's just been, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been a challenge, but I feel like 
it's been worth every every day that I wake up. I, I feel grateful and honored that I get to do this. And I feel a huge responsibility to get it right. Amazing. And if anyone wants to find you, where are the best places to get hold of you? You can jump on our website. We're also on Instagram and LinkedIn, but we're Balade Design Studio. So for those who aren't accustomed to how that's spelled is G-B-O-L-A-D-E Design Studio. Fabulous. Well, thank you for joining us on this episode, Tara, and looking forward to seeing more amazing designs and things that you guys are bringing out and putting forth into the world. Thank you so much. My pleasure. Bye. Thank you for listening to this episode of Third Culture Africans, the Lifestyle Podcast. We would love to hear from you. So please find us on Facebook or Instagram at Third Culture Africans and leave us a comment. A review goes a long way in getting our show noticed. So please leave us one if you enjoyed this episode and we'll see you next time.